I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hi and welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you by King's Comics in Sydney, 403 George Street in Sydney is where you can go to find all of the comics that we talk about in today's episode and every episode before this and all the episodes that we record in the future. Whoa. That's right. Kingscomics.com is where you can go if you don't live in Sydney. And uh, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of comics that came out in the last week. My name is Levins. My name is Siobhan. And we begin every episode by reviewing all of the number ones. Before we do that... We uh, have some bonus episodes in the mix. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they're in the regular feed too. This isn't some like dirty scheme for uh, us trying to get you give us money. Although you should give us money. I mean, you could. Just uh, consider it. But uh, we did a, a bonus episode last week, uh, which you'll find in the feed, uh, with Andrew Constant, who is mm-hmm. the writer of um, The Demon, Hell is Earth, which uh, the trade of which has just come out through DC Comics. Um, so we did a Halloween comic special with him mm-hmm. last week. Um, came out on Halloween. And uh, we got the signing. How did that go? Uh, yeah, it was good. Good fun. Yep. What, which body part did he sign of yours? All of them. No. Wow. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. None of them. None of them. Uh, and um, later on this week, there'll be another bonus episode with the creator. We, uh, we hit a Patreon goal where we have to interview a creator every month. So we're making up for lost time and we reviewed two in two weeks. That's pretty um, good. But uh, Matt Groom is a uh, Sydney-based writer whose debut series, um, Self Made, is coming out through Image Comics on the 6th of December. Uh, and so we did just a chat with him, which will go up later in the week. So keep your eyes peeled for uh, some great conversations with some local creators. And mm-hmm. we look forward to doing more of them in the future. Yeah. Um, we also have been doing, uh, on the for, for patrons, um, a, a post-show in which we review um, graphic novels. Mm-hmm. And you can hear them uh, by supporting us over at patreon.com slash serious issues podcast. Slash serious issues podcast. That's the one. Uh, and uh, last week we... Uh, well, I can't remember what I reviewed last week. I talked about uh, Von Spatz, a new drawn and quarterly, and I also talked about Monster. What did uh, I talk about? You talked about... Talk See, this is bad because I only care about what I talk about. And I only talk about... Actually, no, I remembered Von Spatz, so I'm the better person of the yeah. two of us. Uh, that took a photo. It's me holding Louisa. Yeah, there we go. Then and Now, which is a book came out through... Now and Then, sorry. Uh, came out through Humanoids that I really loved. Uh, this week, Siobhan... I am, uh, I'm like two-thirds of the way through Bone. Cool. The enormous, like, 1,300-something-page monster by um, Jeff Smith, written Mm -hmm. and drawn by Jeff Smith. I've never read it before in my life. 
Um, and me uh, oh my god, really I'm loving it so much, and I can't wait to tell you about it later. Cool. I I'm reading a novel. Okay. Wow, a book without pictures. Book without I didn't pictures. even know they still made those. I know it's been a very uh, strange experience from for me. Um, but it's it's sort of comic booky, so I feel like people will what enjoy is it. it. Uh, it's called Slade House by David Mitchell. Okay, cool. You know Looking forward to hearing more about it later in Pretty the cool. post show, which you can access at patreon.com slash series choose podcast. We do a bonus 15 and 20 minutes, a uh, little uh, extra review for uh, everyone that wants to support us just at a nice $5 a month level, which gets you a whole bunch of extra content. Yeah. So thank you so much everyone that already does and looking forward to meeting everyone who was about to. Now let's get into the show. Every week we uh, talk about all of last week's number one issues. We call this segment first things first and uh, DC put out one, two, three, Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine number ones this week. I did not read all of them. Well, it was a Halloween week, which meant that we had the uh, the last gasp of uh, of spooky Halloween comics. Mm-hmm. So we have a couple of them uh, to talk about. But the spookiest thing of all, Siobhan, and uh, I just one of the, the scariest things that the comics world unleashes upon us every few months is another round of DC and Hanna Barbera mashup comics. Um, and this week we got Deathstroke, Yogi Bear, Green Lantern, Huckleberry Hound, Nightwing, Megilla Gorilla, and Superman, Top Cat. I just couldn't do it to myself <laughs> this month. I just, I just didn't think that was going to be good, me going, I hate this. But I did read one of them it's, because of the creative team. Yeah, sure. So that's, that, that is one reason to read this. Another reason is just like, even though, yeah, it's very rare that I enjoy it, there is just something so bananas. Like, you you never you see the two two characters in the front. You see the creative team. And you're like, hmm, I've got a fair <laughs> idea of how this could go down. And it's never anything like that. Never. It's always just like the most insane, like, how did this get published experience? But it's very rarely good. But when it is, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it gives true. us things like Flintstones and the Tom King Elmer Fudd book. And there have been like a lot, lot of great moments to come out of these uh, mm. collaborations. Uh, so let's begin. Uh, each one of these stories came with a four-part, what like one of four-part story uh, featuring Secret Squirrel. That was I don't um, know who that is. I mean, that's fine that you don't. I, I, you can, I think, live your life without ever knowing. Uh, <laughs> because I've done the secret, it so far. <laughs> the Secret Squirrel comic was bizarre. Yeah, I couldn't actually read it, given that I only read like part two or four. But I was like, oh, this is. This is madness. Uh, what so is this? Just quickly, uh, J.M. Mateus wrote the Secret Squirrel backups with Tom Mandrake on art. Uh, and in the start, it opens with Secret Squirrel. Um, apparently, this spins out of a recent issue of Scooby Apocalypse. Well, there you go. Um, but uh, which, is a, which is still like a really well-selling DC book, which is just People insane. People love it. Um, so, uh, Secret Squirrel, who is a just a squirrel but wears a purple hat, uh, yes. is, is lying in the Caribbean on a uh, on a deck chair with a bikini-clad uh, babe. Um, and, oh, well, uh, you know he's a success if a naked woman is near him. So Semi-naked. Uh, the woman says, uh, Considering we spend most of our lives engaging in government-approved murder and mayhem, a vacation is not an indulgence, it's a necessity. And then Secret Squirrel turns to his lady and says, Speaking of indulgence, how about I indulge your libido a little? And then I she feel says, bad. I she feel says bad. that would be the fourth time this morning, but who's counting? So. Blurg. Yeah. Blurg. Just no good. Nah. Cheers, mate. Just real, a real fragment of the past that shouldn't return. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the same no can be interest. said for a lot of these issues. Uh, so let's talk about Deathstroke, Yogi Bear. 
which was written by Frank Thierry um, with uh, Mark Texiera on art and Jeremy oh, yeah. Cox on colors. Uh, yeah, a much better art team than this book deserves. Uh, and uh, this one, I guess, is kind of like, you know, I didn't enjoy it, but at least it was kind of made sense. It just, you know, Deathstroke <laughs> running amok in Jelly, Jellystone Park. Okay. And, 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 and helping Yogi just take down some people. assassins. Yeah, there's a lot of murder in this book, which is not something that I expect from a Yogi Bear book. Or which want. is always Yeah, exactly. Um, but there was a funny page of, um, of uh, Deathstroke, like, kind of killing his way through uh, various, like, bad guys in the Hanna-Barbera world which uh, I'm trying to find for you now. Uh, he's not even killing, just him beating up like King Shark, Jabberjaw, Killer Croc, Wally Gator, Gorilla Grodd, and Grape Ape. Okay. And it was funny like, and just weird. Like that's, This is the kind of fun, goofy stuff that yeah. I expect from this comic. So th- this was like of, of the four of them, even though I didn't like it, it was easily the best. <laughs> that was the best? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I disagree and I didn't even read all of them. Well, let's talk about the one that we both did read together. This Green is Lantern Huckleberry <laughs> Hound by Mark Russell with art by someone. Um, someone pretty good doing a very good sort of Silver Agey DCU vibe. Uh, Rick Leonardi with Thank inks you. by Dan Green and um, Andy Parks with colors by Steve Bucalato. So I think I liked this because this was set in the, well, like the 70s during the Vietnam War. Yeah. Um, and it's about John Stewart, Green Lantern, and. Um, he is told by Katma, who was his uh, lover slash teacher um, in the Green Lantern Corps. And she says, the hardest part is going back to your, your planet and not using your ring. Um, and he comes back and he faces the sort of world of 1970s America, which is racist and sexist. And, um, you know, every, all of his friends and his family are dying in a needless, unjust war. Um, and he meets Huckleberry Hound in a bar and they, you know. Hit it off. Conversation. I liked this. You didn't like this. I hated this so much. Yeah, and I've loved. I loved Mark Russell's Flintstones. I loved Mark Russell's Snagglepuss. Um, That both like defied my expectations of what you could do with like this. You know, reimagining of these, you know, characters that don't really need to return to anyone's world. No. But uh, I just thought you know, and he definitely, you know, he he didn't hide his politics in either of those books. And you know, I happen to agree with him on almost everything he talks about. But I thought this is the first example of his politics being so preachy. In the comic book, yeah, uh, I, I, and I and yeah, it, sure. it just it made me just. I just thought this was just kind of dumb. Ah, see, I do disagree. I thought this was like a pretty good social commentary, like given the flippin' uh, you know editorial mandate of Huckleberry Hound having to be in it. I thought that he did a pretty good job of kind of addressing a number of different issues that existed in John Stewart's life, and I thought it was pretty well paced, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Just, yeah, but this is the only one where it's only been about. Like the, the the movement of the time, like there was no like neither of them did anything very Green Lanterny or Huckleberry Houndish. Like he did some Green Lanterny stuff. Starts with him on a, on a crazy planet fighting a big wasp guy. I liked I liked it when he had like I'm obviously saying you know racism is terrible and a, and a part of our history that you none of us should be proud of. Levins is very pro racism. That's not that's not inherently political no. anymore. No, of course. But I I just found that yeah like I I, I just. I don't know. I just thought it was just weird. Okay. Yeah. I thought this was pretty good, actually. Look, give me Deathstroke hunting down Hanna-Barbera characters, apparently. (laughs) You're terrible. I didn't like that comic either. I just liked (laughs) it more than this one. Wow. I find you crazy. Um, So now we move on to Nightwing Megilla Gorilla. Come on. Um, This was a trip. 
You're trying to tell me that this was no, this was better. This, this was maybe the most bafflingly worst one of them. Because um, at is, least what like, is Magilla Gorilla? Is he just a big talking gorilla? Yeah, who works in showbiz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, someone asked me um, what this book was like, and so I, from memory, wrote down what happened. Um, hold on, let me get to it because I was pretty proud. Of it. Just, just so this is what happens in a, in a book that was written by um, Heath Corson with pencils by Tom Grummet and Tom Derenick with inks by Cam Smith and Andy Owens, colors by Pete Pantazes. So, in the Magilla Magrilla Nightwing comic, Magilla Gorilla invites Dick Grayson over to his mansion because he wants to make a movie based on the life of the Flying Graysons. Dick doesn't let him, so Magilla screams at his manager. We then learn that his manager has been strangled to death, <laughs> and Magilla is uh, wanted for murder, but Dick thinks that Magilla is innocent, so he helps him escape, and Magilla destroys a police pro- helicopter in the process. What? He suspects that he was framed by his sister, who was addicted to, by, to heroin, what? but after she gives a good what? alibi, he decides that it was his rival Grape Ape, who they then go and fight in a nightclub. Turns out it what? was Grape Ape's best friend, who's like another animal character, um, who, sh- who killed the manager, and then he tries to shoot everyone, and Magilla takes a bullet for Grape Ape, and in doing so, like, fixes their friendship, um, and the book ends with Dick Grayson greenlining the Flying, flying, flying Grayson's movie after all with McGilla Mac- Gorilla <laughs> playing his dad and Grape Ape playing Dick Grayson. I can't stop shaking my head. I'm but so there are no, And this. there are also no other primate characters in the cast. <laughs> it's just these two apes playing two human characters. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You've sold me. Sounds this great. This is so insanely stupid. That sounds like, so weird. You know, I just wish that they could... I, like. Who wants who wants a story in which Magilla Gorilla's sister is addicted to heroin? Why does anyone who want that? Who writes a story <laughs> where it's yeah, like I don't know what to do with this franchise? <laughs> you know what this needs? More heroin. It's so weird. It just it it th- this is like the the legacy of the New Fifty Two lives on through these bizarre Hanna Barbera mashups. I wish they would end. I wish <laughs> they would stop doing this. I kind of it makes it so embarrassing to be like I, a DC person. Yeah, it's it's so bizarre. So terrible. Uh, the final one was um oh god this is so <laughs> Superman <laughs> Top Cat. Okay, I, 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 I feel bad for saying Green Lantern and 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 uh, and Thingo was bad, but I just like I have expectations for Mark Russell and. I thought this lived up to my expectations of Mark Russell, but I accept that it okay, wasn't your sure. favourite. But you know whose fault this whole fucking thing is? I know, is? it's very true. Is Dan DiDio, who was the writer of uh, Superman Top Cat. He's also the... Is Top Cat also just like a showbiz animal? He's wearing a waistcoat. Well, he, he was like, he's an alley cat. Okay. And he has all these other alley cats, and he hangs out, and he tricks people into giving him food and stuff. Ah, so he's a, he does crimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in this one, uh, he is trying to make ends meet, um, and he has a, has a job at like a supermarket. But... There's an attack of the Kaelians because Kale is actually an alien race and the aliens return to Earth to wreak havoc on people who have ever... All these hipsters that have been eating Kale and then Kale, like, Uh. like, escapes out of their body and kills them. Uh. And Superman is powerless to stop it. Someone take Dandadia's laptop away from him. So then he teams up with a cat for some reason and Top (laughs) Top Cat and Superman bring down the Kaelians. Yeah, so this, is, this is pencils by Shane Davis it's and Michelle the, Delecky so, on inks. That's so lame. Three colorists. Um, yeah, oh just utterly baffling. I, I don't know who it's for. I don't understand. Like, because if you like these characters, th- this is not what yeah, these characters are getting, like. Yeah. You are not getting a good Superman story or a good Top Cat story out of this. So what's the point? <laughs> it's so weird. 
I don't get it at all. Anyway, so that was it. it Another round of (laughs) why are DC doing this? Because we also get them doing it with Looney Tunes characters now too. Yeah. This whole situation is baffling. Stop buying these. Stop buying them and they'll stop making them. Maybe. (laughs) So we've got a couple other DC books to get through. Number ones. uh, Batman Secret Files was a $4.99 big blockbuster issue this week, which featured, uh, yeah, of course, the last of their foil covers for uh, October. Um, Featured uh, a group of uh, different creators doing short stories um, featuring Batman. Um, it opened with a, um, would you believe, heavy-handed Tom King story. <laughs> Good Lord. Like, I'm just so, I'm, I feel so tired of his version of Bruce. Like, his version of Batman is so, like, boring and annoying. Yeah. Like, a version of Batman that's just constantly like, Alfred, am I enough? Am I good enough? Do you love me? And then Alfred is <laughs> like, yes, sir, I love you. And he's like, cool, on his phone, ignoring yeah, Alfred. Yeah, totally. Like, cool, most- fuck off, Dad. <laughs> It's like the most annoying, like, jerky version of Bruce Wayne I've ever read. Yeah, the the, the biggest villain in Tom King's Batman rogues gallery is happiness. Yeah. (laughs) But, man, I enjoyed most of the most of this issue yeah i love batman short stories i think it's the perfect format for the character i would like everything to be standalone in the batman universe please um i loved uh the first one which was written by ram v um with jorge fornes on art with matt wilson on colors a great creative team yeah like, first what else has ram v done uh the recent uh book that uh vault put out yes yes, yes. Uh, where the vampire travels to like uh the I read it recently. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. I can't remember what it's called, it. but it's very, very, very good. Yeah, cool. Um, you missed it, and I right. and you're like, damn it, I should have read this. Right. And maybe you will one day. Maybe I will but he does a great, uh, great scarecrow story, but it's told from the point of view of a cop that tried to take scarecrow down, uh, and really great. You know, it's it's spooky very, ending. Yeah, like one that like an actual like horror scarecrow story. Yes. That kind of you know was about the nature of fear. Very yep. very enjoyable. Um, and then we got a, um, an excellent... Uh, I loved this story by Cheryl Lynn Eaton um, with art by Elena Casagrande and Jordi Belair on colours. I think this was one of my favourite yeah. stories in the whole thing. This was so cool. This was about, like, Wayne technology being misused. And it kind of makes the point of, like, the crimes that you are stopping on the street are starting in your own boardroom. Like, you, <laughs> you yeah. should be paying more attention to this stuff. Um, I, I thought this was... Perfect issue. So good. Perfect little story. Yeah, definitely. I love the next one probably the most. Oh, yeah? Uh, which is the Geordie... Is that written by Geordie Blair? Geordie Blair with art by Jill Thompson. Yeah. Oh, which man. Is, yeah, like uh, this, like uh, Batman kind of like staking out um, in, in, in the woods in, during a snowstorm and talking about like he's not the biggest fan of himself sometimes. Uh, I thought it was a very human Batman story, Absolutely. which I was not expecting and I, I really enjoyed it. Because uh, we very, very... Like, it's all about the Bat fam now. We never see sort of Bruce... Bruce Solo, yep. you know? And then it ended on just an unbelievably fun uh, team-up between Batman and Detective, Detective Chimp by the fucking god, Tom Taylor. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. And he's so good at putting in, like, a really genuinely, like, sentimental, sweet ending, but that doesn't feel uh, saccharine. It feels very earned. It's really good fun. He knows how to use Detective Chimp. Like, really, really loved, well. I loved this. I, I really hope that now that, um, uh, what's it called, Injustice is over, that Tom, Tom Taylor gets a big DC book where he can just play with so many different characters. Yeah. Um, has he got has he announced one? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Saying. He's got Marvel books. But yeah, um, Brad Walker on pencils on this yes. one with Andrew Hennessy on inks and uh, Jordi Blair on colors. Jordi Blair doing a lot in this issue. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like a really great collection of great Batman short stories. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Really um, good fun. I, I hope that this, this is ongoing because this is this is if you like Batman, <laughs> yeah, you like should absolutely. My favorite this. ever Batman run is the Legends of the Dark Knight run, yep. which just has so many great like you know like mini series of, of fun like four to six issue Batman stories. So good. Yeah, highly recommend it to everyone going back. There's some there's some absolute classic Batman stories in that run by a lot of creators. A lot of people love. Obviously, it opens with a great Grant Morrison story, and then mm-hmm. we've got there's, it ends on an awesome. Um, uh, Deadshot uh, one shot so um, that I really love like one of my favorite comics ever yeah such a great run um, so this week we've got two um, books written by James Tinney and the fourth who just finished um, the Justice League Dark and Wonder Woman um, the Witching Hour team up uh, miniseries mm-hmm. um, and he also started a new miniseries which is a team up between Justice League and Aquaman it's called Drowned Earth um, so he wrote The Witching Hour 1. This is the final issue of this. So it's, this is Justice League Dark, Wonder Woman number 1, The Witching Hour. Um, and this uh, featured great art from... Uh, I, I really enjoyed the art completely mm. across this, uh, this, uh, this, this miniseries. And this had all three of the artists, Jesus Marino, Fernando Blanco, and Miguel Mendoza, um, on art with Romulo Fiato Jr. on colors. Um, but as a story... Uh, this has been all about like yeah like Wonder Woman and a lot of other magic characters were marked by this witch many many thousands of years ago and now she's returning uh, to kind of reclaim her power and with that all of those who she marked um, and uh, we just get this enormous info dump the whole middle of the issue is like telling the backstory of this witch Ooh. character and it's just so much unnecessary extra information that I don't think really gives adds much to the ending of this yeah but then the final page reveal shows that Cersei is going to be a major player in either the Wonder Woman or, uh, or Justice League Dark books in the future and I really like Cersei and I, I like that I like I really enjoyed her in this I like this version of Cersei it's a cool character design and it's good fun yeah um, so yeah not, not a very strong end to what I thought was a quite enjoyable uh, run of a little miniseries so far yeah. um Drowned Earth. Now, I'm not a big Aquaman fan. Me neither. And I sort of decided that I wasn't going to read any Aquaman until Kelly Sue DeConnick starts. Sure. I don't know why I made yeah. that rule. Uh, I I, there are some... Uh, like I, I love, uh, even though he only shows up at the very end of DC, The New Frontier, I love Darwin Cook's take on Aquaman. Those six yes. panels that he's in are great. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I love the Aquaman who shows up in the Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon. Yeah. Uh, voiced by John DiMaggio. I love um, Grant Morrison's version. Yep. Of Aquaman, who's just an angry sea loner with yeah. one hook hand. But basically, Perfect. I love Namor, and I would just wish Aquaman was was Namor nah. or or different enough. Nah, I like him when he's like more of a freaky sea hobo. Okay. Oh, you know what? I take it back. I love the the recent Dan Abnett, Stefan Sejic yeah. take that on, was on also Aquaman. That was impeccable. You know Maybe I am somewhat of an Aqua fan, but um, especially the second album. Am I right? La, my oh my do you want to mm, say goodbye good good song um, but yeah so Justice League Aquaman Drowned Earth um, written by James Tinney and the fourth um, who I am a big fan of especially the detective run I, I, I love that he is obviously a massive fan of DC yeah. uh, this featured um, art by um, Howard Porter who I'm also a big fan of as well um, oh is that, um, who is that actually, Miss Martian uh, yeah so J- Miss Martian is being used uh, by Batman I guess at the moment weird for weird stuff <laughs> but I, this Ooh, is one freaky. of those books that I've finished. Like, th- there's like, like, basically, like for some reason, the Earth is being drowned, um, and uh, yeah, cool. and and so Gotham. It opens in Gotham. Oh, we have like a flashback, but then we're in Gotham, and um, uh, like everyone, like half of Gotham is submerged in water, and then when, once they get submerged in water, they turn into like fish creatures. So Officer Gordon turns into like a fish creature with a mustache. Yeah. 
Weird. Which is just strange. And uh, so the Justice League are trying to like save everybody from being drowned or turned into fish creatures. Oh, is it Ocean Master? Is and then, he the bad guy? Yeah, well, Ocean, no, he's the good guy. He's trying to team uh-huh. up with, um, what's her name? Uh, what's uh, Mera? Mera. And then the Legion of Doom have sent Black Manta to, to kill Aquaman once and for all. And so there's a fight. And I, it's just one of those ones I was like, I just don't care. I, maybe if I was a much bigger fan of Aquaman, I would care. But I just, I just thought this, this did not do enough to. It just had. There was just so much going on that I didn't care about. Yeah, I think that I think that this is probably a bit of an editorial thing to try and bring Aquaman into kind of a new phase because from the ads that I've seen for the new Aquaman series, it looks like Aquaman is uh, like no, fresh start, clean slate, not in a marriage anymore. <laughs> you oh, know, right, like okay, sure. Lona. Um, right. So I guess that this is probably a bit... Which is weird because isn't the movie going to be like a love story between uh, him and Mera? Man, <laughs> when will DC ever do anything smart to tie yeah. in with their movie releases? When will they ever do anything smart with their movies? Never. Um, but yeah, Drown Earth, not, not a good start to a series that I want to read anymore of. It's weirdly dated. That's what, I, that's what it really felt like. Yeah. Um, but but from like a yeah it just yeah no. the colors that they use or something it makes it well Howard, pa- Howard Porter is a very nineties looking artist yeah, too yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I generally generally like that same but I think there's ways to sort of uh, ink and then color it that make it look a bit more yeah definitely I, I, I loved his recent issues of Flash that Howard Porter did but yeah not didn't wasn't a big fan of this uh, finally from DC we got the Terrifics annual um, which uh, was not written by Jeff Lemire however it was written by uh, Gene Luen Yang. Um, who did one story um, with Joe Bennett on pencils and uh, Matt Santarelli, Scott Hanna, Richard Friend on inks and Hi-Fi on colours, uh, which was a uh, just a great little story. Um, so cute. This is his first thing that Jean Luen Young has done since uh, New Superman ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this was like just a, a, a fun kind of like Halloween uh, masked ball story. Yeah. Um, in which there's like, um, you know, essentially like a, the DC version of scrolls being made up because of a science experiment gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. I, th- I think Jean Luen Yang would be a great person to step in for Lemire if he ever leaves this book because he got the personalities of all the four terrific characters done really well. And I actually enjoyed this like more than like the last five issues of the terrifics. Yeah, so absolutely. Saying something. Um, and then we got a backup that was written by Mark Russell, um, who we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, featuring Evan Doc Shana on art. Who the book is just the book is always the best when he is doing the art on it. Yes, I, like it's just let's just let him let this book come out. Like put out three issues a, a year. I don't know. I don't know what he's how he's like at keeping up the schedule. But like the book is just so much better when he does the art. Yeah, it um, really is. And Nathan Fairbairn on colors too. One of my favorite colorists who I don't see doing books enough. Yep. Um, but uh, and Mark Russell doing a, a story based on. Um, What's this dude's name again? Uh, the big Java. Java, the ex-caveman dude who's been brought to uh, the future by a scientist. And uh, it was a really fun kind of tragic story um, about about him kind of setting him up to be like a villain in the future, I guess. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then finally we had a Tom Strong uh, uh, story by James Asmus and Jose Luis and Geordie Tarragona and Hi-Fi that uh, was fine. Yeah. I think that uh, for me, I really enjoyed the Java story. Yeah. I mean, because Doc Shana. Yeah, but of course. Yeah, really, yeah. really solid, good little and great, standalone story. Great writing from Mark Russell too. Absolutely. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, for me, the, I, I love the Gene Luang Yang, Yang story as well too. It was good just seeing him understand the team dynamic so quickly in such a short amount of time. Yep, lots of fun. Good annual. Um, finally, from DC slash Vertigo, we have Hex Wives, which is a new series written by Ben Blacker with Mirko and Dolfo. Um, of Unnatural. That's what I was going to say. That's where I recognise her from. And M- Marissa Louise on colours. Um, about 
witches, um, yeah. specifically witches that never die, and we see them being hunted uh, over the course of different generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we open in uh, in Salem in the 1600s, and uh, the book ends in like the 1950s. Would yeah, you say I guess the 50s? that's supposed to be the 1950s. Because they're, they're, they're like housewives, but they're also yeah. witches. Yes, yeah, so it's kind of like a lady killer, but witches. So I really like the concept of this, especially like, you know, you know, yeah, exactly, like the lady killer era of books, that, that 1950s housewife thing, having a bunch of witches hiding as, yeah. as boring housewives uh, is, is, is interesting. I, I didn't like the dialogue at all in this issue. Yeah, it was quite a lot of, uh, there was quite a lot of law setting up. And then there's a lot of, uh, um, I didn't hate the dialogue. Wait, which part? Like, did you find the, the historical dialogue? You know what I hate? You know what I really hate is when there's stuff and it says, like, it's all these and thous. And then all of a sudden it'll be like a, oh, there was one specific one. Let me find it. It really annoyed me. Just a colloquialism. No, okay, yeah, it's all like thee, thou. And then she goes, Nadi, you're up. Like, just be consistent. That's all I want. If you're going to have them speaking, like, naturalistically now, that's fine. But if you're going to have it be historically accurate, then be sure. historically accurate. I guess, you know, it was it was an ambitious first issue because yeah, we... we it's a lot. It would have been cooler, I think, if you opened in the 50s setting after a short kind of, like, glimpse back to the past and then we learn in future issues that these guys have been doing it for generations upon generations. But yes. I think because we had so much time in so many different time periods and then we're introduced to somebody who is trying to hunt these witches down um, once and for all and we learn his backstory as well, it was a lot to take in uh, for a first issue. Yeah. But I think this series could still shows potential and I might I might give it another issue. Yeah, you know, I think that there was just like a lot of groundwork being laid in this issue and I'm I'm intrigued to say the very least, so I'm going to um come back to issue 2 for sure at the least. Okay, maybe um, it's not set in the 1950s. Yeah, it's not, I you're, you're, there was some, I'm there was not, some you're right. kind of contemporary. So the last thing elements? we see is 2005 New Orleans yeah, and go. then it goes 3 years later. So Yeah, cool. Are they just regular housewives that happen to look like 50s housewives? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't for some know. reason. Now I don't, I don't get it now. Okay, now I like this less. <laughs> You know what I found weird is that so uh, one of our characters, it's I think it's implied that like um, these witches are reborn into bodies, but they're not like properly reborn until the person first dips their toe into the occult. So um, I don't think that the witches have yet been reborn, and the witch hunter is married to one of the f- people who has not yet awoken as a witch, and he's like, I need to get a willing kiss from her. But if you're already married. How come you're not getting willing kisses, buddy? Oh, What's going I, I on? I don't know if you remember 2008, Siobhan, but, but no one was kissing anybody back then. <laughs> kisses were illegal. Weird. Um, weird, but I'll read it. Yeah, I'll, I'll give At you another issue. Definitely. At least one more. So over to Marvel now, and we got the Avengers Halloween special, which is something that I would normally expect from DC. Totally. We seldom get a collection of short stories uh, featuring Marvel characters for fun holidays. I love these kind of things. Like, even when they're bad, I'm like, I'm still happy I'm reading them. Absolutely. So it's always like just a bunch of different creators doing fun new things. Uh, this one featured um, writing by Rob Fee, Jerry Duggan, Jen and Sylvia Soska, Jay Burichel. Oh, right. The, yeah. the actor, crazy. Um, Which one did he do again? Uh, he, he did, did the, Punisher the Punisher one. one. And uh, Robbie Thompson. And then we have art by um, Ian Marin and Mike Spicer, Laura Braga and um, Arif Prianto. Um, Jonas Scarf and Jordan Boyd, uh, Luca Pizzari and Michael Garland, and Bob Quinn and Chris Peter. So an enormous lineup of, um, you know, some established, some lesser known, some 
some actors. newbies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some actors. Uh, coming, coming through. Um, and it's a bunch of, uh, like, just very different uh, horror stories. Yeah, um, like Elseworldsy uh Marvel horror stories. It, o- it opens with uh, Daredevil getting a getting eye surgery, <laughs> but um, <laughs> Kingpin has organised it. So uh, there's a hallucinogen put into his eyes that allow that like makes him see his enemies when it's his friends, and he ends up killing all his friends. And then Kingpin, yeah, he stabs Karen in the neck. Um, even though it was super heavy handed, I I don't know. That still, was cool. Yeah, I liked I, it. I liked it was it. good fun. And the art was a big big part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and a fun dumb concept. I wasn't a big fan of the Fantastic Four one. Yeah, I thought that one was alright. Sort of like, uh, what if the Fantastic Four, when they came back, they weren't changed by cosmic rays; they were changed by evil, um, evil aliens. Um, I liked the Captain America one as well. That was pretty silly. Yeah, that was that was heaps of fun. Captain America versus Deadpool and Wolverine, and and sorry, what Wolverine? Sorry, uh, Iron Man. I that was that was actually really fun. Uh, a great ending too. The Punisher story was kind of basically just like an origin story for what if the Punisher was a. Uh, uh, pirate. What if the Punisher was the, the, was the Phantom, Phantom of the, of the Opera? Opera. Yeah. yeah, which is like that's also fine. Yeah. I quite liked the um, the final one where some kids break into Xavier's abandoned school for gifted dead mutants. Yeah, and it's like a zombie st- zombie tale with yeah. a really really sweet kind of ending. Yeah, that was that was good. It was a good little collection of short stories. I think these things are so fun because a lot of the time a little short story can be one of the most satisfying ways to read a superhero story. Yeah, and it's agreed. cool to get uh, like a whole bunch of new creators. You sort of Become, start becoming familiar with their work. And that's always cool. Well, Siobhan, that wasn't the only collection of short stories that Marvel put out this week. We also got Vault of Spiders, number one, which uh, spun out of the Spider-Geddon event. Now, I know uh, last week we said, I hate Spider-Geddon. We both said it. I liked both of the Spider-Geddon tie-ins this week. Same. What big surprises. But this is the thing. The main series, boo, sucks. All the tie-ins, great. Really genuinely fun. Siobhan just put that, her mic up to her butt just then, just by the way, because anyone didn't know. You're welcome. Um, Vault of Spiders had writing by Jed Mackay, Cullen Bunn, and uh, Neela Magruder, and James Asmus, with art by Scott Coblish, Javier Polito on the Cullen Bunn story, um, Sheldon Vella, and Alberto Albuquerque, and Juan Gedeon, and lots of different colorists too, um, and uh, just basically different stories from around the web of uh, just different spider characters from different universes, uh, featuring an excellent Cullen Bunn and Javier Polito. Um, Western Spider-Man, yes. very apt considering Red Dead is taking over the world at the moment. Um, that was probably my favorite in this collection. Yep, that was really good fun. You put Javier Polito in anything, that's going to be my favorite. He's the best. Um, um, I loved the... Oh God, uh, I love this. Yeah, the manga-style sort of robo... Robo Spider Man, that was good fun. That was also so much better than the um, the other kind of Edge of Spider Geddon one that we got. That was like uh, built the based, girl. yeah, the little girl that was kind of like almost like a Neon Genesis Evangelion. Mm. This was way more fun, kind of Japanese take on uh, Spider Man. Uh, the final one, whatever, like the VR Spider Man. Yeah, I don't really care about that. Um, and the Savage Land one was pretty fun too. But yeah, just a good collection of stories with some um, mostly very good art. But definitely for me, the like. My far and away biggest surprise of the week, things that I enjoyed, was uh, Spider Force One. Yeah, w- which I had no idea. Like, I just thought it was just going to be another unnecessary spider thing. It was written by Christopher Priest. Yeah, the second I picked it up, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. I'm um, excited. With Paolo Sicaria on pencils and Oren Jr. and Craig Young on inks with Guru FX on colors. Um, and, like, yeah, this is definitely bogged down by all of the weight of the Spider-Geddon event, but... Whatever. It's Jessica Drew, Spider Woman, teaming up with 
I fucking even know who it is. It's like a bunch of spider characters, basically. Yeah, there's like an alternate universe uh, version of Peter Parker who calls himself Charlie from Earth something or other. Um, what else is there? There's that other spider woman. Spider kid. Kane. That's... That guy. Uh, yeah. Superior Octopus shows up for a little while. Yeah, it was just really, really fun. Like, really enjoyable. Even hard to tell you what happened in it. They're in an alternate universe and they might be stuck there. But it is inc- like just Priest knows how to write superhero comics. Yeah, definitely. It was essentially like they're stuck on like an apocalypse world now, and um, and I guess it's about them trying to escape and get back to their families and mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. that. It, it was just really, really fun. And, and yeah, Priest nailed all the characters. Um, and and of course you have all of his all the dressings that come with the Priest comic now. The kind of like weird title cards over you know the white white text over black background and. It's, it's a fun way to kind of do a series. Absolutely. Really enjoyable. Definitely. Um, I also really enjoyed the next two Marvel books we're going to talk about. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so we got the final of the X-Men Black. X-Men. The X-Men Black. Uh, <laughs> X-Men. Uh, I guess mini series where every month, every week we've got a new creator doing a different X-Men villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the final one, we had um, Leah Williams and Chris Pacello. Um, so on, on writing and pencils um, with... Uh, loads of inkers and colors. L- loads of inkers and colors. Doing an Emma Frost one-shot called Hunger is Productive. And it was basically I her... absolutely loved this. Like oh every moment of this. Obviously, Pacello art, always good. But also, like, I mean... So Leah Williams... The, the, the wrote, costumes are so good. Yeah. <laughs> the clothes are so good. Leah Williams wrote this and the um, next Marvel book I'm going to talk about. But um, No oh, way! Yeah. Wow, she's good. I know, right? Like, But so this is a story of like Emma Frost basically tricking all of the X-Men, so Rogue and, and, and um, Gambit and some others, uh, Nightcrawler, to uh, get her into the, um, is it the Brotherhood. No, it's the Hellfire, Hellfire Club. Club. So she says, help me take down the Hellfire Club. And but, then she's like... Psych, I am the Hellfire Club. Yeah, um, but it's a, a brilliant, some incredible action scenes yes. in it. Um, really well-written dialogue. A great way to handle the sexiness yes. of Emma Frost in a way that isn't exploitative. Yes. It's just like it's inherently part of her character. Yes. And you, it's just, you have to be able to write it or just don't even try. Yes. And Leah Williams did it so well. She has such like, a great voice for her. Yep. She had a great voice for Rogue as well. Um, I thought this was such a great issue. And Bacello, like really outdoes himself like I feel like this is the best his art has looked in something that I've read in a yeah, really long like, time way better than all of his Doctor Strange stuff and like yeah it's just uh, I feel like maybe the huge team of inkers and colorists have made it just sort of made it a bit clearer yes definitely um, and a little bit less I, I think sometimes Bacello is best when he kind of reigns it in a little bit definitely and you, here you have a lot of like scenes where the background is just a, a flat color yeah. um, which I think uh, made it a lot easier to follow but just uh, gorgeous just so good and, and Emma Frost is just such a is such a well-written character in this uh, in this yeah. issue, which is not something we get very often. Like the you know the last thing I remember reading her in was that awful death of X Men or whatever it was, yeah, where, yeah, where she yeah. she covered Cyclops's death. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was pretty bad. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I thought this is awesome. And Leah Williams is just like I don't really know what she's done before this. Yeah, me neither. It's not a name I recognize, but after this and the next comment we're going to talk about like lock her down Marvel yeah, she yeah. gets your characters and she she's good she gets the female X-Men yes definitely absolutely so the last one we're going to talk about from Marvel is what if magic became Sorcerer Supreme oh man so these are the what if uh, books we, we got it in I think like six or seven of them um, some of them have been pretty good like none of them have been flat out bad just unnecessary yeah um, but this was my far, far and away my favourite one like one that just definitely should exist as a one yep. shot just this a is a beautiful comic about like trauma written by Leah Williams with art by Philippe Andrade 
and uh, colours by Chris O'Halloran. And uh, the the title of it is a bit of a mislead. Um, we don't actually see magic become the Sorcerer Supreme in this uh, in this issue. But basically, um, after she tries to attack Doctor Strange, he takes her on as like her protege- his protege. Yeah, she becomes apprentice to the Sorcerer apprentice. Supreme, That's right. and it's like, what if? What if Ileana had uh, someone to help her through her traumas? What if she had someone to um, love her and care for her? And it's like such a gorgeous issue. The art is beautiful. The oh, colours are yeah. phenomenal. So good. And the story is so well paced and so like action packed and fast and great, but also so emotional, so genuine, so sweet. Like, man, what a. I really like. This really blew me away. This issue, yeah, and like I, I love that you had no idea that it was written by the same. This yeah. issue, they're, they're two masterful one shots. Yes, and that's, and that's something that like often comes with like years and years of comic book creating. And yes. for, I mean, I, look, maybe she's been doing it for a long time, and, we, and we're, we've been too dumb to notice. But like, I think she's a relatively new creator, and like these are two, like, like, like five out of five one shots. Like, yeah. yeah, Nate read these both before me and gave them the both who, to sorry? me. Oh, sorry, the canonically lovely Nate um, read both these and gave them to me in one pile and I don't think he noticed that they were by the same lady either. And he is incredibly picky about X-Men comics but he was like, these are both great. You have to read them immediately. Yeah. Um, just amazing. So, so good. And also a way to save these lo- for the last of both the What If and, yeah, the, I know. Um, and the X-Men Black series because it makes me go like, oh, that was, they were two really great little mm. like, you know, miniseries. <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. worth it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that was worth the paper that it was printed on. I hope they do something great with Leah Williams. Give her X-Men. Give her the, give her the whole universe. I, I don't I, care. I, w- I would love for them to be like, there's one X-Men book now. It's written by this person. Ooh. They'll never do it. I know, but like, God, They'll it would be good it. if they did. I know, I know. I agree. I mean, not that, that's not the only Marvel property that should only have one book. But yeah. it certainly is the, m- one, the main one that would benefit from it. Like, instead of having X-Men Red, X-Men Blue, X-Men all the other colours, have the one X-Men book, and then if you want to have, like, separate character spin-offs, do it that way instead of having, I don't know. Yeah, but I think Spider-Man would be better if we had one Spider-Man I book totally and agree it was just Peter, you know, helping Miles become Spider-Man. That yeah, would be my perfect be Spider-Man so book. Yeah, definitely. But instead, we have 16 Spider-Man books, and, <laughs> and they're Spider-Man all Ganon. fairly average. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've got two vague horror books to talk about. You've got one there called Midnight Mystery that was coming mm-hmm. out through Alterna Comics. I only made it through a few pages of this. Oh, really? H- how was the rest of it? I really enjoyed it. I it thought was this like, was really good fun. It was like pretty late when I started reading it, and right, I was okay. just like, oh, that's too much text. Um, so this is written by Bernie Gonzalez with R by Wes Locher. Uh, Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, I like the art. Yeah, the art's really, really cool. And it's about a private detective who uh, set in the past and he records all of his um, cases to sort of listen to later on. And in this, he is um, instructed to track down the son of like a sort of a crypt keepery style actor who passed away. Um, who And his butler wants to pass on the uh, estate to his illegitimate son so he tracks down the son doing some old school detective work which is like pretty fun it's pretty cool when the story has like the constraints of they don't have flipping smartphones and you can't just be like ah there he is on Facebook cool um and then it gets weird they go to collect the you know to go and talk and be like well what's up with this and he gasses them and the end of the issue is the detective and the son gassed on the floor of the greenhouse by the butler I really enjoyed this. It was very well yeah, paced. Really good art. The art reminds me of a very simplified um, Darwin Cook on yeah. uh, Parker. Yes, yes, Parker yes, books. yes. Yeah. Definitely has that vibe. It's just like a, if you like private investigator stories, I think you'll enjoy this. This was good fun to me. If you liked, um, uh, who's, who's the private investigator in the Catwoman series? The Rebecca Catwoman series? Uh, Slam Bradley. Slam Bradley. Slam Bradley vibes. It was good. Uh, final book uh, with the number one on it is Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror. Uh, a book, an anthology book that came out through Ahoy Comics, which is the last appearance of Mark Russell this week. He had three appearances in this week's First Things First. Good job, Mark. Um, Tom Payer, um, it's basically like, yeah, like a bunch of stories featuring Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe. I just don't care that much about Edgar Allan Poe. So I left it to the, at the bottom of my pile. Um, so he, yeah, he, besides narrating like the, an opening thing about him, like introducing a bunch of horror tales, um, it's not really about him. He's in the background of some of, some of the comics, but they're just okay. horror, horror comics with this good? book ending of Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, so the first one written by Tom Payer um, is about uh, a man who makes a deal with a devil um, just as he's dying, as about to die. So he never actually dies. His body just starts decaying, but he also happens to be a very famous pastry chef. Oh. And so as he's, di- like, as he's making these incredible pastries and cooking all these delicacies that everyone, all these you know, high society people are like, oh my God, he's also like, like, like dripping pus and blood and bile cool. into as his body decomposes. You know, he ends up exploding all over them when he finally is released. Horrible. Life. Um, and uh, then we get a book, that, that's a story written by Mark Russell, is uh, oh, it's actually pretty funny, and this is the Mark Russell I like. It is a horror tale featuring the mascot, or like a an, an, a, a mirrored, you know, a, an analogy of the um, analogy, like a yeah, yeah um, of uh, analog, analog, yeah, of uh, of a Count Chocula, Count Chocula, it's a, a I serial, from the- <laughs> a serial mascot. Um, so this is called Dark Chocolate, and yeah, it's basically like a kind of like real horror take on. Count Chocula's origin. So imagine a, 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 a chocolate cereal eating vampire, but that is, told that is in a horror story. Like Mark Russell is best at taking something that you're like, there is no flipping way that this can be good, and making something that's actually like, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this because it really was him like 
there's a great little fun twist at the end, and it was uh, just it was very very fun. So yeah, those are the two kind of like main ones. Um, that sounds actually pretty fun. Yeah, I, I like Ahoy Comics. I think it's, it's really, they're really well really printed. There's so much crazy backup material. Yeah, cool. There's a, like you know, like fun kind of comic book strip at the end by Hunt Emerson. And so there's, a, there's some... poetry. There's letters oh. sections. There's interviews. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, and if you like, um, yeah, if you like uh, Mark Russell, there's a two-page interview with him. Cool. Yeah, oh, good man. stuff. Yeah, it's a good, good package from Ahoy Comics. Siobhan, that's it from First Things First this week. It's a lot of number ones. Lot of number Next ones. week seems to be a slightly smaller number one week. Okay. Which is exciting. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you read any of these number ones and you would like to argue with us about them, uh, the best place to do that is over at facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast. That's our Facebook group featuring thousands of comic book reading good people that uh, talk good about comics people. all the time. Um, run by some lovely admins. And uh, we make sure that com- the conversation is always civil and mm-hmm. good and informative. And uh, it's a great place to uh, ask for recommendations on your favorite character or characters that maybe you don't know very much about and want to learn something about in the future. But uh, yeah, head over to facebook.com slash groups slash series user podcast to discuss this episode and comics in general. Now we're going to play a game called Siobhan Lost the Three-Sided Die and now we just kind of decide the publisher we're going to talk about next. I did. And this week, Siobhan, it's going to be... DC. DC first. Oh, great. Heroes in Crisis, mm. issue number two, written by Tom King, with art by Clay Mann, um, and uh, um, Travis Moore, and uh, Timo Moray and Arif Prianto on colors, with Clayton Cowles on letters. And this is the, whew, the big DC weird Tom King event right now, where um, there was like a... A lot of people, there was, so there was some deaths. It was like um, it was a bit like uh, what was that one that came before Civil War Two? Not Civil War Two, Hydra Cap. What came before Secret Empire? You know the Pleasant Hill. Oh yeah, so totally. it had similar. It reminded me of that in that they set up something very very breakout? briefly. Avengers Breakout or something like that. Yeah. Um, but sort of they've mentioned in a couple of comics very briefly that there is a place called Sanctuary where people where superheroes can go, superheroes who have committed horrible acts of violence in their life can go and talk to a computer about it, which is a foolproof plan as computers are never corrupted and it's like it's 100% safe and no one will ever get access to that information <laughs> ever. And then either Booster Gold or a really terrible shitty version of Booster oh. Gold who's a big dumb idiot who makes everything worse, oh. which I get is kind of part of his character, but not like this Tom no, King, totally. fucking idiot. Well, also, it's a terrible version of Harley Quinn who may yes. have also killed a lot of people. Yeah, so it's either... Booster or Harley killed everyone. Cool. It'll probably end up being neither of them. It'll be like, I don't know, they killed themselves. <laughs> yeah. It was that's Tom my, King. That's actually, that's... It was Tom King. That's my, my money is on Tom King is going to ride himself into this series. Grant Morrison style. Um, oh, just whatever. There whatever, are, man. There Who are cares? moments in this that I do enjoy. Um, like, I, I enjoyed the fight between Booster Gold and The Flash. Um, yeah. when the Flash learns that Wally West has been murdered potentially by Booster Gold. But it's, you just, because it's Tom King, you just get fragments of story and there's, it's, there's no satisfaction that, but as you finish the end of each issue, it's just like, yeah. you just get these. Just everyone looking into the camera going, am I enough, Alfred? Like, like it's just a bunch of like, t- like, like, a, like, like, a, like a bunch of dioramas mm. that you just get like a little glimpse of and then, yep. you, and then you have to walk around the, the science exhibition and see the next diorama. Yeah. And all of the talking camera stuff, talking to camera stuff, because it's them talking to the computer as they confess stuff, especially Superman shit. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. I don't care for it at all. Also, nine panel grids aren't that good. 
Yeah, you ruined it, Tom King. I've you been, had it. You took a good thing and you ruined it. You ran it into the ground. Been reading Bone this week, which for the most part is six panel grid. Six panel grid's real good. <laughs> I think you know it's like in that Batman. Um, book this week it's not about the technology it's how you use it and tom king has ruined nine panel grids for us all <laughs> and he's ruined uh people talking to the camera and he's ruined the narration not having anything to do with the what's happening on screen and he's ruined penguins and he's ruined harley quinn and he's ruined um i don't know what else he's ruined he's ruined batman he's ruined <laughs> Uh, and Dick Grayson. Now he's Rick. I, I, I like Clayman's art, though. Clayman is so good. I think that's the thing that makes me mad about it, because I'm I'm reading it, and I'm like, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. Why am I enjoying this? Ah, Clayman. Well, also, Clayman drawing, like, classic Harley Quinn costume as well. Classic Harley Quinn costume. Even some of the characters that they've killed off, I quite enjoy it, because a lot of them are, like, obscure Teen Titans characters. I was a bit like, oh, you killed off, killed off Captain Steel? Oh, that's a shame. He was good. I don't know. Like, just... Uh, what yeah, have I got to say about this? What have I got to say about this? It's yet another story where they're like, oh, no, someone's going to figure out who Superman is. <laughs> oh, no. That's never happened before. I love, like, this. Does I love this new... It's your Batman <laughs> impersonation. <laughs> but just like, does Tom King not... Has he not read, like, DC Comics? I mean, I mean everything has been done a million times I before. Know. But yeah, just, yeah. Now you're getting them as more heavy-handed than ever. Yeah. Just so anyway, we're going to keep reading this because we are gluttons for punishment and also we like complaining about it. Yeah, Because we are comic book readers after all and that's hey, all right. almost as fun as reading them to begin with. Uh, did you read Batman The Max Arkham <laughs> Dreams by Sam Keith this week? Yes, I did. So I could not tell you a single thing about what's going on in this book. It's but like a, man. It looks so good and I'm, I've... This has gone in the pile of books that I do not read. I just look at the amazing art and then say, it's a great series. Everyone should look at it. <laughs> you know what I think I enjoy most about Sam Keith's art is that the Joker looks literally like a different guy in every single panel. Yes. It looks completely so different in every single panel. And if that isn't the perfect interpretation of the Joker, I do not know what it is. He uses, like, different art styles. Different, like, sometimes he looks almost like, um... Uh, who's the crazy one from, um... Uh, the Sandman, the Dreaming? Who's the madness one, the little girl? With the crazy bubbles around her head all the oh, time? Oh, yeah, yeah, one of his sisters. Yeah, yeah, so sometimes it looks like that. Sometimes it's, like, this incredibly detailed close-up. Sometimes he looks like a caricature of, like, Jay Leno. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's, it's so fun. And his version of Batman is, like, really compelling and really cool. This is so weird. I, I love, love Sam it. Keith's art. It's so good. I want to see him just, like... I, I would prefer it if someone else wrote it because, I, like, his... His madness in art form, I love. His madness in written form, I'm just like, oh, what am I reading? But I know. Oh, man. But look at that um, variant cover by Kelly Jones. Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Beautiful. That's so, it's, yeah. I, I, I at least encourage everyone to take a, like, take a flick through yeah, just what have this a book peep looks at like. It. It's See wild as hell. how weird it is. Sam Keith, of course, is the creator of The Max, and this is like the weird, like he and ba- The Max and Batman teaming up, going on a journey through The Max's mind and the dreaming and mm. all kinds of wild mm-hmm, shit. Mm-hmm. The Outback. It's crazy, the outback and so on. Um, so, Doom Patrol, um, issue number 12, came out uh, this week through DC's Young Animal imprint, um, written by Gerard Way with, um, and Nick Derrington, with art by Jeremy Lambert and uh, Dan McDade and Tamara Bonvillain. But, um, we don't actually get a guide as to who did what. I don't know who the artist is, but because everyone says referenced as dungeon masters, barbarians, druids, and clerics, because this is a D&D um, issue. This is a great issue that I loved oh, yeah? so much because it's, you know, that the, 
there was one of the ambulance drivers has the from the the, the series that mm-hmm. they did has a young kid who like, decides to go into dark magic yep. in, in the series this is like his redemption story and it's cool. the, their family on like a like in, on a fantasy kind of voyage that's you know may as well be a dnd com- com- campaign um but it is like yeah very like silly high high um fantasy stuff with them kind of like understanding their powers based off of their you know their skills in the, in the real world um but it was just like really really satisfying and then it ends and it's like oh you're going to need all of the skills you learnt um in order to um f- for the for the milk wars coming up so this is actually set before the milk wars event that came oh. out at like the start of the year so it's like the most weirdly delayed, and it is the final issue of 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 Doom Patrol, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. Man, okay. I mean, fine. I don't know why I'm getting mad about it. It's just very strange. It's just very yeah. strange. What was it Gerard Way was doing that meant that Doom Patrol got Tur- delayed? Writing a new series of um, Umbrella oh, Academy okay. and turning Umbre- Umbrella Academy into a Netflix series. Yeah, right. <sighs> Netflix ruins comics. <laughs> <laughs> that is what the episode is called. <laughs> This is true, though. Stop taking our good writers. <laughs> we want to pay them nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And complain about them doing everything. Um, but there's a great back matter. You have, like, um, kind of, like... That is cool. D&D cards for each character with their, with their vitals, etc. Um, and then uh, there's a, even a map where you can then cut out all the different players and move them around the map. That's v- fun. Very, very cool. Um, so, look, if this is the final issue of Jarabwe's run on... Uh, both Doom Patrol and Young Animal it's a good way to go out it's a very strange kind of thing to think back on because it, it started so strongly and then just kind of like petered out yeah. into nothing and the art was so gorgeous the whole way through but just just yeah I don't understand what that book was really yeah um, but the actual main series of Doom Patrol I did enjoy and this is a great way to cap it, cap it off Milk Wars is the only kind of thing that I like that didn't enjoy mm. just the two co-written with Steve Orlando those I two issues I didn't heaps enjoy <laughs> Doom Patrol because I didn't understand what was going on in it. Uh, I thought it made sense by the end. This is a good good way to cap it anyway. I enjoyed it. Cool. Um, so over to uh, The Wildstorm now. This is the uh, Warren Ellis and John Davis Hunt with Steve Bucciolato, uh series reintroducing all the Wildstorm characters into a new uh, world orchestrated by Warren Ellis himself. Um, and man, oh man. Yeah. Uh, so even though last week gave us the glimpse of Midnighter and Apollo, we've not seen in a long while, I was hoping we're going to get way more of them in this issue. Unfortunately, it must be in a future issue that we see them. We, get, the tiny little, we get another tiny little uh, glimpse of them in this issue. Another um, tiny little hint. But instead, you just get a bunch of incredible action se- uh, sequences yeah. between the other characters and um, some great stuff with Michael Cray and the aliens and all manner of insanity. This book is so satisfying. And one of the things that like I really I think is so clever is having the... the uh, we knew from the beginning this was going to be a 24-issue series because it says it on the front cover and you have a little arrow pointing to which is the current issue. Um, and I like how much, how, how tightly plotted and well-paced this feels. Like, now we're at 18 out of 24 and things are really starting to, like, go. Half yeah, of this is just wordless action sequences and, like, it's so good. It's so compelling. But there's still all these, like, big, weird character moments. and Bendix is just, yeah, wild as hell and, yeah. Yeah, it's I, gonna, I it, really love it's this. It's shaping up to, a, to be a big war between space and Earth. Yeah. And all the rich people that live on both. Yep. Really love it. Really, um, really great. And John Davis Hunt goes from strength to strength. Like, yeah, he's just improved so much as an artist since this series. I, I loved him to begin with, but he just absolutely. gets better and better. The Good action stuff. sequences are amazing, and I think that's one of Warren Ellis's real strengths. Definitely. Great. Great, great, great. Love it. So that's it for DC this week, which means now we're going to talk about Image. Yeah. 
Sure, image. Man Eaters, issue number two, written by Chelsea Kane, Kate Niemczyk on uh, art with Rochelle Rosenberg on colors. That's right, it's the uh, Mockingbird team. Uh, doing, that, that doing the periods. Doing a, yeah, a book about uh, girls getting their periods and turning into uh, uh, dangerous cat monsters. Um, and uh, our main character is uh, the, the daughter of a... Um, a, a detective and a, a no. regu- he's a he's a homicide detective and yep. the mother who is not really around in the picture anymore she is like a, um, a period cat hunter a, attack force yeah I guess <laughs> something like that um, and uh, basically uh, n- neither of her parents know that she has just gotten her period which is a thing that has been outlawed in society and people take precautions so their children do not uh, get their start to menstruate um, but how did she buy the tampons then. Yes, I don't know. There Question. is, yeah, maybe, just, maybe they're just around, but whatever. This is a great look at menstruation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is, and, this, is this enjoyable to and, you? As yeah, absolutely. Who menstruate? Um, but it's all about you know puberty and yes. Uh, you know, I, I, I had sisters. I have a daughter. I have yep. lots of female friends, and I, you know, you would be a fucking idiot to not know that this is a shitty thing that affects ah. more than half the population. Yeah. That is still such a uncomfortable point of conversation for so much of society yeah and this book is such an important one to exist it also happens to be a very well put together action comic um with great horror elements and incredible back matter and yep. just great like in-world advertising yeah it's the full package yeah the in-world advertising really really makes me laugh because um i really liked the the ad on the front cover where it's like she's your little princess today but will she be a monster tomorrow um and then the bottom is like symptoms of toxoplasmosis x include and it's just all of the all of the symptoms of having your period and then halfway through it changes into turning into a cat monster just fun yeah enjoyable. So, like even if this didn't have the horror element it would be a compelling comic because yeah. that is such an important and scary and weird time of life for not just the little girls but also like their parents (laughs) (laughs) um and uh i just think this is just such a wonderful book that um i I yeah yeah it's so enjoyable and nothing has ever made me feel cooler for having my period (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i'm excited to see where this is going to go um and I, i hope chelsea kane uh just has gets nothing but positivity from this book being out yeah also one of the most fun pieces, sorry, one of the most fun pieces of Back Matter is um, Dead Samurai Haikus by yes. 13-year-old Emily Powell. Yeah, it's brilliant. Sick. Just like a, a series <laughs> of so five cool. Dead Samurai Haikus, and they're really, really fun. <laughs> the last, really enjoyable. The last haiku is, I don't like haikus. It is too hard to write them. Okay, I'm done now. <laughs> That's Genius. the best kind of Back Genius Matter. Genius haiku. <laughs> Just all 13-year-old haikus. Yes. It's real good. Should, more should, content by 13-year-olds. should force 13-year-olds to write more haikus. Absolutely. <laughs> Get them off Twitter. Yeah. Whatever. Snapchat. Um, so we also got the final issue of uh, Shanghai Red, a five-issue miniseries written by uh, Christopher Sabella with art by Joshua Hickson. Um, and uh, this was a, a book about... It's a revenge comic, first and foremost, that uh, begins with a, um, a woman who uh, is experimenting with uh, posing as a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and while drinking in a, in a bar, she gets thrown into a cell and wakes up on a pirate boat where she's forced into slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, after taking over that boat, she returns to the town from which she was kidnapped and uh, tries to reconnect with what remains of her life there, but also get revenge on those yeah, who... Yeah, bloody revenge. And uh, man, what a satisfying ending. That's a 
great issue. Sometimes I had a bit of a problem with the art in this just because the characters, you sometimes lose the faces and you lose, uh, I sort of had a little bit of trouble of following who was who sometimes, but um, Christopher Isabella does a really, really great job of kind of putting into words that really hard position when you're a young woman feeling like, feeling so trapped by the world's expectations of you and sure. what is possible for you to achieve. I'm, I was very like impressed by that. I thought that was very enjoyable. Um, I, I liked this. I liked yeah, me this too. A lot. A lot. I'd recommend this in a big way when the trade comes out. But Absolutely. on your note about the art, I totally get it, especially yeah. when, you know, when you're reading it month to month and can't really remember where we've seen these characters before. But there is a grittiness that comes Absolutely. with Joshua Hickson's art that I wouldn't trade with anyone. Yeah. The because, tone of yes. it is so perfectly yep. encapsulated in the art and in the color palette. Yeah, so yeah, a really, really satisfying end to this. This is a extra-sized issue too, and considering yeah. they didn't charge any more for it, that's very cool. I loved the cover this yes. month as well. And the and the ending, like I don't want to give anything away, but uh, like it, it leaves it open for other potential stories, but I almost hope that they kind of don't revisit it. Like that's such a satisfying ending, them just sort of... Do the um, the criminal yeah. route, the, um, you know, um, oh, Brubaker yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and Phillips route, and just do another another book together with a similar theme or vibe. Yeah. Because they're, they're two great creators. I, I mean, and the final issue, final the final page is just, just second, sorry, the second to last page is just so good. Yeah. So satisfying. Reminds me a lot of the ending of the first Red Dead Redemption yep. game. I don't know what that is, but yeah, cool. It's a game, a video game you play with a controller on your television. Ah, right, okay. Yeah. Um, Ice Cream Man, issue number eight. Guess who was I'm dumb enough to not at even myself. know the, oh the next two, I'm so annoyed at myself. Oh, we're we're, we're going to talk, we're talk about myself. Fence until later. We've got Marvel first. I literally hate myself. She forgot to read Ice Cream Man and Fence, which were probably my two favorite comics know, this week. I know. And I knew they would I be. Was, I was like, this is such an average stack. week of comics. Yeah. Um, these are the, the, the Fence and Ice Cream Man are the two books where I see them in my stack. I might call those going to be my favorite books this week. And yeah. then they are. Yeah. And um, so, well done. <laughs> uh, this is written by um, W.O. Maxwell Prince with art by Martin Marazzo, who I just fucking love his art style so much. Man. Chris O'Halloran showing up for another great uh, bunch of colors on a book again this week. Um, but this was like a full-on anthology. We follow um, like a, a bunch of short stories set in this horrific world of Ice Cream Man where there is a uh, psychotic Ice Cream Man running around ruining people's lives, yep. but sometimes not really. Like just... He's just somewhat linked. Yeah, just shows up. Um, and uh, basically a bunch of horrible scenarios showing up in this awful world. Oh, man. Um, Is it using characters that we've already seen? I think these two ambulance drivers we've seen yeah. before. Also, that's like the, the diner, isn't it? The, the, yeah, that's the right. The guitar so, player I think, yeah, in. So this, this definitely feels like the end of Act 1, this issue. Cool. Um, and uh, this whole time it's been building that there's a, this kind of fight between the ice cream man and this mysterious cowboy who we know is like somewhat good yep um, and so yeah this is yeah th- this is going to be do you want me to spoil it yeah, for you yeah show me I don't care alright so I'll like, read it it's the, like they, g- they give you such small glimpses as to the greater story that's yeah. being told here and it's also maybe not even that important that it is um, but uh the, the two ambulance drivers are driving um, uh, with a, you know someone in, in the back of their car um, and uh, these are two drivers that are like one of them has a similar affliction that um, the main character of She Could Fly have, where like she's all, there's always a voice that she hears telling her to do horrible things, and mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. she does, and sometimes she tries to ignore it. And that's the kind of narration of the overall issue as we see all these other horrible things happening in town. Um, and then they finally, after, after like you know, stealing a bunch of pain medication and taking all these different meds, oh they finally realize like shit, shit, shit. There's a guy in the back of the car, remember? And they open it up. 
and it's the cowboy with oh, a shit. with a knife in his neck. Oh shit! Yeah, and ah. like it's just like it, how they can tell such a like morose kind of weird collection of short stories and still end on a thing where you're like, oh my god, that's right! Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. and it just absolutely blew me away. Awesome. Brilliant issue. And then the back matter of this is like. Um, all these awesome sketches, and then a color swatch gallery for each oh, issue. Wow! Which is so cool. Like these and fun all, little designs. They all have little um, ice cream names. Yeah, they all got ice cream. All, all ice cream names. So there's like, yeah. Well, I mean, all the issues were named after ice cream names. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, real good stuff. Uh, just just uh, two creators to really just keep your eyes on. Definitely. Like everything they do. <laughs> and which means, I, I, I'm not sure if the first trade for Ice Cream Man has come out yet. but uh, if, Yeah, it has. It, it has. has. Right, sure. Pick so it up, guys. Def, so, so does it, does it, do you know if it collects like, issues one to four? Uh, I think it collects the first five issues. Okay, sure. Right, I well, believe. Who knows what's going on next? Well, they're taking a small hiatus and it's returning in January. And I can't wait. Best series. Such a good series. Goddamn. Uh, we've got Marvel to talk through now. All right. All right. She's serious, everybody. Guys, I'm very serious. Um, I want to talk about quickly Extermination, issue number four, uh, written by Ed Brisson, with art by Pepe Loraz, um, Aria and Anandito, and Dexter Vines, uh, and Eric Arsenega. Um, this is the kind of the end of the uh, time-displaced original X-Men. Um, or, Good. So they're telling us. Good riddance. And in fact, one of them meets their, meets their end uh, in a really, really kind of funny way. In fact, it was quite a shocking <laughs> death that I showed you. Yeah, yeah, uh, one yeah. of the original X-Men dies in this issue and I was not expecting it to happen. And when it did, I, I kind of like was a mix of like shock laugh. I, la- I was like, it's <laughs> 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 a good laugh. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just, if you want to, if you want to make that same laugh, pick up this issue. Um, it's like not a, not that great of a series, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, and you get to see a really horrible death of yeah. a character that not many people like. Exactly. Although I liked this version better. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. Yeah. Um, one word, shunk. Shunk. Great, a great, great word to die of. Mm. Uh, Worst Coast Avengers, issue number three this week, uh, written by Kelly Thompson, with art by Stefano Caselli and colors by Triona Farrell. My favorite issue of the series so far. This is, really? of course, the team of both Hawkeye's Gwenpool, America, Kid Omega, and Fuse. Yeah, I think the, the relationship between Fuse and Hawkeye was strongest in this one. Yeah, you know, I had a moment today where I was like, oh, man, the, all of these characters are funny characters. <laughs> you need a couple more straight men on this team, I think. You can't have two Hawkeye, Hawkeyes plus Quentin Quire plus Gwenpool. Who's sure. the straight man other than America? America's a straight man. I guess Fuse, her boyfriend, is, is straight? The straight man? I suppose. It's a wacky, silly comic. It's a wacky, silly comic. You're very right. Um... I, I, I and think she's very funny. Like, I mean, the, the conversations between those characters are pretty funny. Yeah, and they're fighting dumb, silly villains. Um, this, like, you know, hot version of... Um, Modoc. Modoc. Brodoc. Brodoc. Um, and then he's made a bunch of other weird monsters for them to fight. And now <laughs> he, t- did, he did turn Kate into a big hawk lady. Yeah. A giant hawk lady. That is pretty funny. But now the giant ti- Tigra is, uh, is on their side. Or she's just on any side that allows her to beat up Brodoc. Um, look, I think this is it, it's it's very fun, and I, I think the comedy is well written. I, I get that, like, yeah, I, on any other comic, I would. I think I've, even last issue, I did feel like, oh, it's way too quippy, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I think it's all fallen into place now, and I'm really enjoying the pace of it. I just want someone to make a whole line of the t-shirts that Quentin Choir yes. wears. I want a t-shirt that says Future Phoenix. I also want a t-shirt that says I break for the X-Gene. Good. <laughs> You're very funny. Kelly Thompson or Stefano Caselli, whoever's whoever ideas they are. It's a good book. It's a good book. It's I a like good it. book, guys. It's a good team book. Good yes. team, team book. 
Uh, Marvel 2-in-1, The Thing and Mr. Fantastic, uh, came out this week, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Ramon Perez and um, colours by Federico Blee. Um, Chip back on his bummer vibe. Yeah, this is just in a weird place where that Fantastic Four series has started, the one that Dan Slott's writing, yeah. and we know they're back, but also it hasn't come out in a while. Yeah. And where is it? When is it next coming out? And now we have them, they have Mr. Fantastic returned, kind of explaining why he disappeared and without telling them. And I actually thought Chip did a good job of making it like. Mr. Fantastic is a dumbass when it comes to uh, friendships People's and, emotions, and yeah. emotions. So I, I think he did a good job justifying it in his head. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a pretty bad justification being like, I just wanted to see if Doom could be good. That was, that was one of many motivators. Yeah, I just think, I, like, I mean, I think that Hickman was kind of like, I'm out and just left this like hilarious big mess for everyone else, else to try and justify. Um, and was I don't, it that I don't big know. Of a mess? Well, no, I they, think they, that, they didn't I think have they to leave. It. They didn't have to leave. Uh, I don't know whose decision it was to have the thing and uh, and Johnny, you know, stranded on Earth without their family, believing that they were dead. Yeah, yeah, that was that's the dumb part. I don't think that Hickman left it in that. Like he, Hickman just showed a panel of them. Of the Fantastic Family, like you know, flying into space and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. creating new universes. There, like, was, there were lots of um, where was ways that, 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 that comic could have been so fun if I they know. got if they if they got like Al Ewing or someone to do like a hard sci-fi, you know, wacky comic with the Fantastic uh, Future Foundation and stuff like that. Or Mark Russell just talking about the ethics of creating new worlds. Perfect. <laughs> um, but we, um, actually, in, I would in, like that. Instead, we got this weird, you know, stranded, sad story that yeah, I think Chip has done like, a good job of. But Ben and Reed just fighting is like. I don't know. You'd think that you think that they'd been friends for long enough that Ben would be like, ah, look. <laughs> yeah. What would he say? I thought that all these children had died, but I get it. <laughs> this is funny. after you said, you just said that it's not a good I have some problems. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't heaps enjoy this. I thought it was just a bit of a bummer. A oh, yeah, bit I, of a bummer issue. It's, but it's not a bummer because of anything Chip's done. It's just like no. he's having to ride his way out of all these weird things that he's been put into. And the art's great. Perez is great. Yeah. It's so good. It's real good stuff. Black Panther, issue number five, Ta-Nehisi Coates, Daniel Acuna, just writing a really, really straight uh, space shooting uh, book with, where yeah. we, are, we are finally getting a bit of that very, you know, deep Ta-Nehisi Coates kind of Wakanda lore yeah. seeping back into it. And I was very, I felt, I was, it was very welcome when it, when, it, when it shows up towards the end where yes. he realizes who he is in the, in, the, in the near future and what he has to do. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to this being a bit more like the earlier series. Like a, a merge of both of them. Like it is. It, on one hand, it is great to see him do a really slick action comic. Yeah. But I do miss uh, some of the Wakandaness of it all. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really like this. I think it's so cool, and I love Daniel Acuna on the art. Like this action sequences are so great and so gorgeous to look at. It just feels um, weird. The colors to, are beautiful. To be able to read a Tanahisi Coates book in two minutes. That's all. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But you're not spending enough time staring at his pecs, clearly. <laughs> I spent a long time looking at those pages. Two minutes a panel. <laughs> um, hey, I really loved Tony Stark Iron Man issue number five this week, written by Scott Lin- uh, sorry, Dan Slott with um, art by uh, Max Dunbar and Gang Hyuk Lim. Um, oh, yeah. And colors by Dono Sanchez Almara. Because this featured a character that I don't even know really existed, um, Arno Stark, who is the long-lost brother of Tony Stark, who is a villain. You would love this issue. Really? It was like, what if Tony Stark was just straight up evil? He is. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't anyone see it? 
He's a bad guy. He's a good guy. Nah. Leave him alone. Nah. Leave him alone. He cries into his money every night because of the things <laughs> you say about him. But this is a, a like a hilarious issue where um, Arno Stark gets hired by like various like you know awful companies around the world to like fix their terrible problems. And in this one, this uh, uh, research lab have uh, developed uh, cows that don't have brains or feelings so oh. no one has to feel bad about eating them, uh, eating them anymore that makes but, me feel worse about eating them. well then he works that they have like a hive mind and and they mm. do feel pain and then they uh he doesn't stop them from killing everyone that ate that ate them okay <laughs> i like that it's, it's, yeah that's so actually I, cool yeah exactly you would have loved this issue oh man um and uh like uh, it I is think that might be the dance slot books that i should be reading hmm I don't know. I don't want to read any of them because they're all about I'll tech. Leave, I'll leave this tech. with you. No, it's not, this one's not as much about tech, but I, I get what you mean when it is just like, it's a book about tech, everyone. Tech. How great are tech industries? How great's um, Elon Musk? <laughs> He's definitely not a bad guy in disguise. Uh, but uh, I thought this issue was really good. Um, and uh, even though I, I, I don't know what Scott Slot's doing with this series, um, because it has just it feels like a bunch of one-shots so far, um, but maybe that's kind of fun. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I'm looking for an actual plot to emerge at some point, and I'm I sure hope I, I hope Arno Stark is going to be like her main character because he's real, real compelling and enjoyable. Yeah, cool. The Death of Daredevil continued issue number one hundred six hundred and ten. Sorry, this week written by Charles Soule with art by Phil Noto and Clayton Cowles on letters, and um, I love uh, oh. his art is so good on this. Colors are so beautiful. Um, it's like a big like a lecture story along with like some inhuman stuff. Um, you know, it's it's not. Oh yeah, because he's doing it with Electro again, right? Oh, uh, fight some Catholics. Yeah, fighting Classic. some weird new villain. But um, Electra gets very upset because Matt still doesn't kill people. And so she leaves his life all again. Don't know it's what the big this problem in most people's relationships. This is like this big... One of you loves killing. Final, killing. final Charles Soule farewell to Daredevil after his relatively long arc. And it just... I don't know. Just, it just makes me miss Mark Wade on it. Oh, God. That was such a good run, huh? Mostly yeah. it makes me miss um, Chris Samney. So did you read um, Spider-Geddon? Um, sorry, no. Fuck. Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, issue number three hundred and eleven. Uh, speaking of Chip Zdarsky, he just re- finished his his uh, yeah. his run on this, and now we get Sean Ryan, Juan Frigeri, and Jason Keith uh, taking on the series. I did not make it this far into this issue. This is a very boring issue. I'm I, sorry. It might it just was, be because though. of Spider Geddon. Yeah, this whole thing has to tie into just it's just a long, boring, impenetrable Peter fighting uh, the Spider Bro Inheritor. Bro, yeah, and it's very dull. Um, and there's like a, a bit of a fun moment with, the, I mean, the inheritor tries to um, kill him with a, a jackhammer. <laughs> That's pretty good. The funnest way to kill someone. Um, and there's some fun Jonah bits, but uh, no, yeah, it didn't really, didn't really heaps appeal to me. Yeah, so unfortunately, we'll not be sticking around on this comic anymore. And that's it for Marvel. Now we have other publishers. What do you got? You got two there. What do yeah. you got? got um, Nancy Drew. Yeah. And a Britannia, <laughs> so the, the comic that only you read. <laughs> Me and Jim. Uh, I read Britannia, Lost Eagles of Rome, issue four. This is the last issue of this um, this miniseries. I Out like that they Valiant. do all four issue arcs. You know, I realize this is the only Valiant book that I'm reading at the moment. I've really dropped off all the other Valiant books that I've I don't think I'm reading any. I don't yeah. think, I, they're about to relaunch a whole bunch of them, yeah. so it's partly that. Uh, but so this follows out... <laughs> Peter Milligan wrote this one, yeah? Yes, Peter Milligan with art by... Thank you for keeping me on track. Uh, Robert Gill with Juan Castro, colours by Jose Villarubia, letters by Dave Sharp. Um, and this is the ancient Rome set detective story That's in right. which our um, the first ever detective who was trained by the Vestal Virgins and calls himself a detectioner is finding the um, 
golden eagle standards of Nero that were stolen by some bad guys in Egypt. And this is really good fun, and it's been building up to like the whole the last couple of arcs. It's really satisfying because they are standalone, but stuff does carry over. So we've got characters showing up. We've got real character development for our detectioner as he embraces his uh, illegitimate son. Um, yep. And then we also have this ongoing story about you know Nero and the fall of Rome, and it's it's actually really satisfying and it's really good fun. I find it. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's awesome. It's goofy. I like it. So as good as the first miniseries? Yeah. I cool. really think it stayed consistent in terms of um, quality. Awesome. Good Great. fun. Um, and Nancy Drew, because I'm about to end the show on like just an overwhelming Ugh. wave of positivity for fans. Yes, please. Um, so this is uh, issue five of Nancy Drew by Kelly Thompson uh, with art by Jen St. Ong and colors by Trun O'Farrell. Um, and this is also the final issue of this arc, I believe. And very very satisfying ending and just like what was a super fun um detective story with teens and the next case nancy might be going to jail nancy's been framed for the crimes of this um story arc which oh, is right, like wow. that's fun that's a Crazy fun way, way to end. carry over um and you know her sort of scooby gang has been set up really satisfyingly and the world's really great like i i just think kelly thompson they couldn't have chosen a better writer for this um Property than well, so, okay, you mentioned earlier when you were reading West Coast Avengers that th- th- this that book needed more straight men. I find that with this series. Really? Yeah, yeah. Everyone. I don't think there's anyone quippy in this. Uh-huh. Like, they're all sort of uh, like mildly sassy, but none of them are like explicitly funny characters. And Nancy herself is like quite straight. Right. Okay. All right. I don't know, maybe I just didn't, I, I, I didn't connect with it, unfortunately. I love this genre. Like, this genre, I think, really appeals to me as a kid who grew up reading, like, Harry the Spy. As a teen detective. A, yeah, as a teen detective, as I still am, <laughs> um, solving crimes at school. Uh, just really good fun, and it looks so gorgeous. Yeah. If you, like, if you like Hawkeye, if you like other Kelly Thompson books, you just you've got to pick this one up. Awesome. Um, so, final book we can talk about today is Fence, number 11, written by C.S. Picat with Johanna the Mad and Joanna LaFuente on colors. Um, this is the brilliant book about um, uh, an all-boys fencing school um, and the, the mo- this arc, um, uh, which I believe is going to be like the final arc before... Um, it becomes graphic novels. Graphic novel um, has been about the finals in which all the boys learn if they're going to continue to be able to be at this school and fence on the team. And uh, of course, really they all come from like different uh, like uh, societal backgrounds. So our main character has had to like, you know, String every every penny and an mm-hmm, ounce mm-hmm. of like you know fence skills he has just mm-hmm. to just to scrounge in, um, and then we have other we meet another character that he verses. Well, it's not he doesn't like one of the other characters that he's uh, has. He's it's his dream to be on the fencing team too, and every every year uh, his parents pay for him to to go to this college to try and achieve his dreams again and again and again. Um, and uh, so the bulk of this was like a fight between um, uh, Aiden and. Uh, like Aiden's ex-boyfriend. Nice. Um, and uh, everyone's rooting against Aiden because if Aiden doesn't get it, then they automatically get in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Aiden wins. But there's a twist. There's a still a chance for Nick to uh, to get on the team. Uh, okay, um, I have to read this. And there's one more. Yeah, fucking, of course you do. It's so good. What a brilliant series. Uh, it looks great. It's just so masterfully paced. Yep. Um, it'll, it's, I don't think that I have a more favorite comic of the year just in terms of something that I was not expecting to connect with in any way and just fell in love with and look forward to every single time it comes out. But you know, like, Fence makes me so excited because it's such a, it's such a female book, even though it's all men. Yeah. Um, and it's such a testament to, like, fan fiction. Like, all these young women who grew up writing stories, long-running stories, <laughs> like, every day for their whole teenagehood are now, like, 
paid writers and it's such a like I just find that so cool I yeah that's so cool definitely I love it she, she's a very very good romance writer even though like yes. not, not, not that many characters are actually romantically linked it's and you just, know what she yeah. gets she gets which not a lot of I would say male comic book writers necessarily get is that it's all about the build up like her the thing that made C.S. Picat really famous is her um, trilogy of uh, sort of historical novels called The Captive Prince. Right. And it's like hardcore erotica. Right. Fantastic. <laughs> Which I did not realize at the time. Um, but she was like, the, the the two main characters, there's like two novels worth of build up before they even kiss. And then it's like six chapters of fucking. <laughs> like, like, girls lose their fucking minds over it. And it's because there is so much tension. There's so much build-up that you think you're going to, like, explode before anything happens. And it's so genius. She's so clever. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fans. And she's delightful. She's absolutely lovely. And Australian. Yes. Very, very proud to call uh, C.S. Picat Australian. Yes. Always the first book that I turn to when someone's like, what about Australian comics? Like, well, she's writing this. Yep. Read, Read this one. It's the fucking greatest. Yeah. So, yeah, one we're one issue away from... Uh, the final single issue of Fence before they make the move to trades. Very curious to Will see what it's going to be like. Will they kiss? Will they kiss? There's so much going on. There's a beautiful moment at the end of this issue. I'm going to read um, it. I'm actually genuinely just going to take it the second we stop recording. Okay, great. It. Excellent. Well, guess what, Siobhan? What? We're seconds away from the second we stop recording. I've never been so excited. Because that is the end of uh, this episode of Serious Issues. Give me that ep- uh, Nancy Drew thing. Sorry, oh, yeah. I'm going forget it. Um, and... Uh, uh, if you want to follow us, you can. If you want to support the show, if you want to keep listening to us, oh yeah, shit, you can't read fence because ah. we are going to uh, turn the mics off momentarily and turn them back on again so that I can talk about bone and you can talk about a weird book with with no pictures. Weird book with no pictures. Who how would even weird? like that? Who how, who are you? I don't know. Um, so yeah, if you want to get our um, weekly serious issues post show. Be sure to go over to patreon.com slash podcast. Kick us $5 a month and you get access to every single week uh, bonus material plus a lot of bonus episodes that we've done in the past. Um, and, uh, you know, a great way to talk to us uh, over there as well. Um, thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week or right now. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.